morning and welcome to Bite Size. My name is Yoni Pollock, and I am your host here on Wednesday mornings from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern right here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Yeah, it's uh, right. Tis the season with the voice. And it's, it's not because of winter, honestly. Which, by the way, can we talk about winter? It's been phenomenal. Um, but it's, you know, it's wedding season. And uh, this is what happens to my voice. A wedding on a Sunday. It means by Wednesday, my voice is still standing like this. But, you know, my role, my role at weddings. I got to do what I got to do. I got to, you know, you got to sing, you got to this, you got to that. It ends up for a few days, I got to recover. So, so be it. Um, but, 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 you know what I wanted to talk about today? Speaking of that wedding. Because I was uh, a groomsman for a good friend of mine's wedding. And we're all getting ready to get to the hall. And like literally as we're walking in, I think I was in the uh, in the Uber still on the way to the wedding. Five minutes out or so. I think one of my WhatsApp groups said something, said something about Kobe. Alerts started popping up on the phone. I immediately go to Twitter. And we found out about the unfortunate passing of uh, Kobe Bryant, the uh, Los Angeles Lakers star from the uh, the 2000s, the better part of the last two decades or so. And... You know, of course, that that hour or so after the initial report of the death, um, which is is you know the media is crazy, and this is not really the angle I wanted to take at all, and I'll just briefly touch on it. Like whenever any of these reports take place, whenever there's there's something that is so unknown, like a helicopter crash, who's involved, who's there, um, you know what happened. You like just never never re- you know if you're if you're a fan if you're whatever don't don't act like you know what's going on don't report things there, there there's so many screw ups that happen over that hour people claiming the whole family was there people claiming no one from the family was there people claiming uh other former teammates were there reputable news stations that you and I both on any other normal day would have said something at times like those where it's such a tragedy just you got to wait for literally the unfortunate you know I excuse the uh, the pun here for the smoke to settle right you got to just wait it out a bit um and wait for for I don't even want to say reputable because that's literally the word I was using, but maybe more reputable, more, you know, more concrete, you know, evidence of, you know, who was involved. And I think, you know, I get to the wedding and and honestly, I I wasn't able to process other than, you know, the groomsmen um, and I, who most of us are basketball fans, you know, a lot of us are just saying, wow, like insane, crazy. Go to the wedding, you know, have a great time, go to bed, don't think anything of it. And then the, the next morning I wake up and, you know preparing for my Monday show, and usually I don't really talk necessarily sports on the show, but I think this topic is a lot more all-encompassing, and preparing for my Monday show, and I'm reading up, and, and I can't help myself, you know, just bring myself to tears, and, and then, you know, just listening to different tributes, reading about, you know, different, uh, you know, the people that are unfortunately involved in this tragedy, and, and you know, thinking about the tragedy more, and, and I took more of a sports angle on the last show, on my show on Monday morning, if you want to hear about it, you know, you can check it out in the archives. But, you know, for here, I think what, what made this more global, you know, it, uh, all over, literally all over the entire world, we know Italy, and obviously Kobe Bryant has something to do with that country, but, you know, they're in a week of mourning and, and all over the place. It was the leading news story in any single website, any single publication, I think what made it more encompassing is, yeah, Kobe, you know, for everything he's done on the court, which is incredible for the the, the sport of basketball, it, it, it's, you know, sort of how 
my generation, you know, the anyone that that was really born in in the nineties and the eighties, you know, seventies, you know, obviously, but anyone that, but I grew up with Kobe Bryant, and it, he wasn't necessarily my favorite basketball player, you know, he wasn't necessarily my role model, but he was certainly the one of the top five players of of the last two decades. He was someone that you know you went into the gym. You're putting up basketball shots. You're yelling Kobe, right? It was Kobe this, Kobe that. He was always in the news, his highlights, whatever it was. But it was that post-basketball career of really how he, he the mentality changed, right? It was, you know, you'll read a lot, a lot about it if you haven't already. The 180 uh, that took place in his life. He was that hard-nosed, you know, type of athlete. He wasn't, you know, giving you a smile or whatever what it was on the court. But off the court, after his retirement, how he embraced his fatherhood, how he embraced being a parent, how he embraced being a business person, how he embraced being a a filmmaker, right? Like that Kobe Bryant was something that, that we all came to, to to really love and respect. And I think you, you put that all together and, and that was, you know, what made it so hard that everyone was like, it can't be Kobe Bryant. And And there's a part of me that, you know, thinks about it like the way he passed. You know, if he were sick, and of course it would be sad, of course it would be a tragedy, but there might be a different feeling to it. But the fact that he passed away in such a terrible accident, the fact that one of his daughters um, was on the flight, the fact that he's leaving, you know, he's leaving his wife, he's leaving three other children behind. And and it's not only Kobe and his, and his daughter on the flight. There were seven others, the Altabellis, another well-respected baseball coach, um, not necessarily on, on a national level, but pretty much anyone that worked um on the level that he worked at, right, junior college, the JUCO level, um, he was a well-known na- name there, and his wife and his daughter, and they're leaving behind children. Um, it's the pilot. It's it's Kobe's uh, other, um, you know, another coach. Kobe was on his way to coach one of his, uh, I think it was his daughter's team or one of these young uh, at the Mamba Academy. You know, it, it that's what really left a mark to me. It was left a mark on me. It was that that you know, that that part of Kobe Bryant that that you know and and. There are so many families that are going to be affected in this and so many children without parents now, um, without a father, without a mother in some cases. You know, I think about if, if Kobe Bryant wasn't involved in this plane crash, if it was just an unfortunate, tragic plane crash involving nine other random people, you know, how much, unfortunately, myself, and and, and I don't want to speak for others, but 90, 95% of people would just, I don't want to say turn a blind eye, but it would just be like, I hate to use this term ho-hum, right? But it would just be, okay, another tragedy. You know, I think back to all the other plane crashes that didn't involve anyone. You know, the one that was just shot down in Iran. I have obviously nothing to do with many of those people, and it has no effect on me. But when it's Kobe Bryant, when it's someone that that felt so immortal, that it felt so, it can't be him, such a celebrity. I don't know. And it just, you know, I, I hate to think about, unfortunately, all those other times that I haven't, you know, felt anything. But the fact that it was Kobe Bryant, it really brings this all together. And, and you know, if it was another athlete, I, I honestly do think, like, I'd, I'd feel very similarly. I think it was, it was you know, I, I was tearing up more when I was reading about the Altabellis, you know, what, what he's meant to a lot of the players and a lot of the families, how wonderful of a person he was. You know, I, I, I was thinking of his two other children that are suddenly orphaned. Like, that's, and unfortunately, this is something that happens in an everyday life. You know, it's it's the car accidents that happen every day. It's the unfortunate shootings in, in different cities and, and muggings or whatever it is, all the crime. This, unfortunately, is commonplace, but it happened Monday, Sunday, excuse me, and it happened with Kobe Bryant, and that, like, is just something that just, like I said, it just absolutely, absolutely shocked the world. And for me, 
you know, it's an unfortunate, another stark reminder that life is so, so short. And it's something that I've personally been working on. And thank God, I think I do a great job that, you know, just seize the opportunity. Um, every single day, you got you to gotta break out of yourself. You can't just, you know, for me, it's just like you got to do you. You cannot wait on something. You cannot simply stay put. Like if you want to accomplish something, if you have a goal, if you have, you know, someone you want to spend time with if whatever it is every single second counts and and it's it's yes i think monday sunday excuse me was just a stark reminder of how life is so short a 41 year old a star that we expected to see for the next 30 40 50 years maybe on the uh sitting court side right at many laker games late into the 70s and 80s like so many other sports greats maybe can you know uh maybe winning multiple more Emmys over the course of his career, maybe, you know, being on the side next to his, his, his daughter's, you know, playoff games in the WNBA a few years from now or, you know, 10, 20 years from now. That's, you know, what we expected. And, and, and the fact that it happened to Kobe Bryant, I think just, um, you know, just absolutely shocked the world. So I know it's affected so many more than just me, my generation. I know it's affected parents. I know it's affected um, you know, my friends, parents, it's, it's affected kids, you know, kids as old as seven years old, 10 years old, 13 years old, or they may not remember the Kobe Bryant on the uh, field, but they know the name. They know what he's meant for both the sport and everything else. And, uh, again, just, it just, just wild. Anyone that obviously had any sort of social media presence or was on social media or just watched the news or read newspapers knows what a global loss this was. Um, and everyone takes it a different way. And there are a lot of people that, that are pointing out a lot of his flaws. And there are a lot of people that, you know, are trying to, to sort of lessen the tragedy. And, and, and of course there's a small part of me that hears it, but at the same time, there's just a time and place for everything and just not the time, you know, there's a time and place just wait it out a bit, but an unfortunate, unfortunate, sad event that took place on Sunday. And I think it's something, uh, that a, a few people I've seen echo and it's just, you know, I'm an echo. It's one of those things that you'll always remember where you were on the day that Kobe Bryant passed away. Let's uh, try to shift gears here. You know, we try to keep it uh, happy here on Bite Size, and we're going to do the same for the rest of this show. We have uh, a, an interview with Joanna Shepson. She joins the program at 10 a.m. She will talk to Ori Noam and Nitsan Rosenberg from Mars. It's a really cool technology, the Tower of David. Um, that'll take place at 10 a.m. I encourage everyone to tune into that because I've been told it is a very exciting interview. And we're going to kick things off with some great music. Let's change the mood. And we're going to start things off with one song and one song only here. Mahapecha, Shel Khan this Wednesday on Bite Size right here at the Nachum Single Network. Shamati Ma 
לפעמים מרגישים שהחיים כל כך קשים, מה יהיה עוד יום עד שנה? אבל אני מחייך, לא דואג להמשך, כי יש לי, יש לי אמונה. לפעמים מרגישים שהחיים כל כך קשים, מה יהיה עוד יום עוד שנה? אבל אני מחייך, לא דואג להמשך. יש לי, יש לי אמונה אני מאמין בניסים אני יודע שיש אלוהים והוא בורא עולם הכוח של כולם שומע את קולי אני מאמין בניסים אני יודע שיש אלוהים והוא בורא עולם הכוח של כולם ישלח לי את הנס, ישלח לי את הנס שלי, יאללה! תן חיוך בן אדם, יש לי סיב כל הזמן, לא לבכות הכל לטובה אסור לך להתייאש, רק תמשיך לבקש, תשמור, תשמור את התקווה. תן חיוך בן אדם, יש לי סיב כל הזמן, לא לבכות הכל לטובה. אסור לך להתייאש, רק תמשיך לבקש, תשמור, תשמור את התקווה.
are back here, top of hour number two on Bite Size, and it's time for Joanna Shebson's interview with both Ori Noam and Nitsan Rosenberg right here, right now on Bite Size at the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you, Yoni. So this week I had a really exciting opportunity that I've never had before. I actually took a selfie with Goliath. 
Goliath. So you might want to ask, how did I do that? So today I'm going to interview Ori Noam and Nitsan Rosenberg, who are going to tell you a little bit about their new Mars project and how that enabled me to take a selfie with Goliath. Hi, Ori and Nitsan. How are you? Hi, great. How are you? Hi. Hi, hi. <laughs> tell us first what Mars stands for and explain. Some some of the listeners have done virtual reality before at, at museums, but what makes this different? What is augmented reality? Well, first of all, augmented reality is much different than virtual reality because you are uh, you can stand in the real place where history actually happened and see augmented layers around you which are additional to the real place. And this is very different uh, than virtual reality when you sit in some room and you can transport yourself to a different, uh, completely different place. So that's and why I was able to stand in the Tower of David where history happened and see myself fighting Goliath. Right, exactly right. And you asked me before about Mars. So Mars stands for Mixed and Augmented Reality Storytelling. And this is our passion here. And our mission is actually to tell stories which are personalized. So if a, a kid and his parents will go to the experience in the Tower of David, they will both have a different experience that is personalized for their needs and, uh, and wants. So explain how does it get personalized? What do you, how do you find out information about the person who's watching the show? Well, our technology allows us to, to see how people are acting in the 3D environment. What is the way that they behave? And our system concludes uh, all kinds of conclusions about their acting, and therefore they are getting the right content for them. So, for example, uh, a kid might get a more interactive, gamified experience, and his parents might get a more... Uh, content-oriented, informational experience about the same kind of thing. So I think a lot of people know, like, the, the paradigm of uh, Waze. The more often everyone uses Waze, the smarter Waze gets. Is that similar here in, in terms of uh, the storytelling? Yes. yes, exactly so. Uh, we have uh, a machine that learns how people are uh, acting behind the scenes, and it, it gets smarter with time. So uh, as long as like, when we have more and more people engaged in, in our experiences, so the experiences will be smarter and they will uh, divide the content in, in, in a better form. It's so interesting. And if I may add, so, yes, sorry, sure. if I may add, so our innovation is also comprised of something that we call subconscious triggers. That means that we are uh, um, using the subconscious behavior of our users. By the way, we call them users. It's, it's a combination of viewer from regular TV and users from tech. So uh, there's also a new language here. Uh, and, but what I mean by subconscious triggers is that uh, we put in the story all kinds of elements that our users are reacting to without even knowing that they are reacting. I'll give you an example. There's a scene in our story where jets, two jets, usually just come in. And if our user looks up, then we know he's, he's engaged now, and we put some kind of a site. And if he continues to look and uses the site and, you know, play with the games and you can shoot the, the, the players, etc., then we know to label him as a gamer. 
okay? And the next scene will show him the same scene uh, in a more gamified way. Uh, on, on the other hand, my dad was not a gamer and he would not uh, be engaged with the site and he was just looking for the information and we'll know that because he won't even take uh, the iPad up and he won't be engaged with the site. So the next thing we know to present him um, a different way of the same story, like without games, something more informative, etc. It's fascinating. That's so incredible. I love it when... You take, you know, obviously you're a startup and, and you take your, your knowledge, technolo- technological knowledge, and you apply it to tourism and to the Tower of David. So let me just backtrack and tell the listeners that this is a new activity available at the Tower of David. You can come to the box office. You don't need to reserve it in advance. The, you sign up for it, and um, it takes about approximately 20 minutes each group gets one device, an iPad, that they can work off of. You can either have your own iPad with earphones or play out loud as a family with one um, iPad. And we, right now you suggest it's ages sixes and, six and up, right? That's right. Yeah. So, And it's available now in English and Hebrew. So let me go back and ask you a question, Nitsan. When you started to work on the content, you're working with one of the most established museums in Jerusalem. That is you know, so knowledgeable about the pa- the past and history. How did you figure out what kind of content to show on through this augmented reality? Well, first of all, I'll just say that we are a team, and Ori is a content expert as, as well himself, and also Pilar Davido, which is our CTO, uh, has, has his way in content. Um, the way we did it was, first of all, to listen, to listen to all the great knowledge the people in the Tower of David have to offer, and to try and, um, I don't know uh, what the, the right word, but to pick uh, the right stories out of the hundreds of stories uh, in Tower of David, um, according to two elements. First is the actual uh, geographic location uh, that we want our tour to go. We couldn't do a huge tour going in the whole museum. That would be uh, years of working. So we had to uh, narrow it down to a more uh, like small tour. And the second is uh, something because our our uh, story goes back in time from our days back to uh, biblical times. Um, so we had to go in in steps of uh, let's say not too big steps, right? Right. <laughs> so uh, so this is this is what really um, made the decision for us. And what would you say are some of the highlights, other than getting to meet David Goliath? What other highlights do you have in the story? Really, you want to take that? No, Nitsan, please continue. Yeah, all right. <laughs> so uh, this is a story go- who goes back in time. We start with our days, and we see this, uh, this, this guy. He has, uh, uh, like, red hair. We don't really know who he is. We suspect, but we don't really know. And then goes back in time, first to the 67 uh, war uh, over Jerusalem and the battle who was nearby. And this is a this is a highlight for us, a dog fight, I mean like jet fights and, and you can hear the in the radio the, the, the jets talk between them and, and you can as as I mentioned earlier, you can shoot the jets and help one of the other jets, etc. Um, going back in time into the Roman uh, and the big rebellion, um, you are now inside of the the fort uh, while um, arrows and catapult stones are throwing back at you and you can really feel uh, how was it in those days 
And in that time, we also uh, we are exposing, or um, uh, we help me out here uh, with the name uh, of the about what are you the the historian the historian. <laughs> Yosef Ben Matityal. Yeah, thank you, Yosef Ben Matityal. <laughs> um, we see the scroll, and actually, as I mentioned before, if you are a gamer, then you have to dust off the scroll physically with the device, and now you are exposed to this ancient scroll, saying and explaining the the name of the place and why is there is it really the Tower of David? Why is it called that way? There's, I'll just say that there's a mistake in the name, and we explain why, and also we. The, the whole fortress uh, come to life in a small uh, model. Uh, it's, it's fascinating. And from there, we go back into biblical time, into David and Goliath that was nearby, and the battle, uh, the famous battle that we all know. So I think what's amazing is, and this is why I often interview someone related to the Tower of David, is because they're always doing something new to bring the original story back to life. So um, I think... Also, it's important to mention that the Tower, the Tower of David runs the Innovation Lab. And the Innovation Lab was uh, co-sponsored by JNext, which is um, supported by the Jerusalem Development Authority. And the idea is that there's an incredible startup ecosystem in Jerusalem, and they want to invest in companies that are going to develop technology to make museums more exciting and to bring stories to life. And this is a great, great example um, can you tell us a little bit about what your background is and how you got involved with uh, Elat Lieber, the director of the museum, and how this project started? Sure. Well, first of all, I have to say that this whole idea of Mars, our company, started while uh, we have done a commercial in this new medium, sort of uh, 3D, you know, VR, AR, and we figured that there is such a huge potential in this field, but there isn't still any coherent language. There isn't a coherent way to tell a story. So we sat together, uh, together with uh, Gilad Avidor, our CTO, uh, and we, we came to the conclusion that technology is the way for us, uh, together with storytelling, to, to uh, conquer this pisgah, uh, to conquer <laughs> this to, to, challenge. To conquer this to conquer this challenge. Yeah. Um, so after we figured that out, we approached the Tower of David. We heard about the Innovation Lab, and we had a meeting with uh, Elat Lieber, the CEO of uh, the Tower of David, and she was uh, very enthusiastic about it. Uh, and she told us, all right, let's think how we can go forward with that. And we were very lucky in, 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 in that term. It's such a great partnership, for sure. So right before we end this interview, how about if you let us know what are your future goals? Are you, do you, you dreaming big to be doing you know, something incredible at the Met or all over, all over Israel, all over the world? What are, your, what are your goals? We are looking for all over the world, of course, uh, and we want to make the best experiences all over. But we are also making a much more interesting thing, uh, a much deeper technology. And we want to to allow other content users and developers to use our tools in the future so we will be able to allow them to have a more personalized experience. So this is what we are looking for on the coming years. And as you said, having a big uh, 
Met game or uh, doing an experience at the Colosseum or the Chinese Wall. Right. Those are, yeah. So we look forward to seeing you there. I'm sure you will get there. I think this technology is so unique because it's not just about virtual reality or augmented reality, but it's about really smart uh, artificial intelligence affecting that reality. And these are like the buzzwords we hear about all the time in Israel and in Jerusalem. And it's so incredible for me to see it at work. And anyone who comes to Jerusalem as a tourist can request to come on one of these Mars, uh, on this Mars tour. Just come to the box office at the Tower of David. If you want to reach Ori or Nitsan, just send a message through Fun in Jerusalem at tower at funinjerusalem.com and we'll make sure that they get it. And I'm just so excited I got to interview you. I love your story, and I wish you lots and lots of luck in uh, growing. Thank, thank, thank you, you very, very much. much, Joanna. It's been a pleasure. Okay, and now back to you, Yoni. Thank you, Joanna, and thank you, Ori Noam and Nitsan Rosenberg. Joanna, you can find her at funinjerusalem.com, Fun in Jerusalem on Facebook, Fun in Jerusalem on Instagram. You probably all returned back from Yeshiva break. If you uh, took advantage of uh, everything Fun in Jerusalem has to offer, I'm sure you appreciated it and enjoyed it. And if you are... Uh, Someone that is now already planning for Pesach in Israel, you'll definitely want to reach out to Joanna. Funinjerusalem.com, Funinjerusalam on Facebook, or Funinjerusalam, like I said, on Instagram for all the wonderful things uh, that she could tell you about, all the cool activities, the fun events happening in Israel over the course of Pesach, or really from, uh, what's today, January 29th all the way, probably six months from now, ten months from now, she'll know of events. Contact her, Jerusalem. Dot com. More coming up, great music, and then we'll wrap things up towards the end of the show. But for now, again, more great music right here on Bite Size at the Nachum Siegel Network.
כולנו מתפללים ומחכים למשיח רק יגיע קשת כולנו חברים כולנו מתפללים ומחכים למשיח כבר רוצה להגיע מחכה לחברים
משמשים מסודר, על מנס לקבל פרס. הטיוקים יבודים ממשמשים מסודר, על מנס לקבל פרס. הטיוקים יבודים ממשמשים מסודר, על מנס לקבל פרס. הטיוקים יבודים ממשמשים מסודר.
And that'll just about wrap things up here on Bite Size, Wednesday's live lunch with Avrami Finkelstein. Coming up in just a few moments, thank you all for tuning in the last two hours here with me on Bite Size. My name is Yoni Pollock. I'd like to wish you all a good day and remind you that the Bite Size is always, always, always the right size.